excited because this guy's a big deal. He's, uh, well, even though that's his part of his shtick. Oh, I'm not a big deal. No, he is. He's just Canadian. That's, the, that's what we do here in Canada. It's live on the Drew Marshall Show, devoted solely to the art of music. And primarily, the reason we do the first hour like this is because music has penetrated my soul far more than religion has. Having first burst into uh, the, the Canadian radio and music video TV world as the lead singer of 80s power pop stalwarts, oh, that's hard to say, the Jitters, Blair Packham released two strongly reviewed solo albums before shifting his focus to composing music for TV and films, teaching songwriting at the post-secondary level, and in numerous special event workshops and co-hosting a long-running major market weekly radio show about music. It's like Conrad Black wrote that sentence. That is the longest run on. There's so many commas in that sentence. Jeez. I didn't write that. That's amazing. Uh, so much happening. So listen, uh, Tim, I'm not sure what you just stopped that. I can't hear anything in here. <laughs> I thought you were done. I, th I saw the pot down. Are, like, is this your first time doing a radio show? I want to impress Blair. With See, this is what happens. Awesomeness. I'm telling you, every time a real radio person comes into the studio... I can't hear... I don't know where the song I, I'm playing. thinking the song should end like that, by the way. Just like... Yep. Yeah. Like Pirates of the Caribbean 2. <laughs> exactly. So many issues. Um, Blair, the first time I really kind of dug into your scene, your world... Uh, was through a guy named Patrick Ballantyne. He does not stop yapping about you, and it's irritating. It, he just goes on and on about how great of it. And Jane Harbour, you know, the publicist to the stars, right? Yes. Uh, only in Canada, eh? Pity. Did you know that was her voice? I didn't know that. Really? Really? Red Rose Tea Lady. I had no idea. Yeah. I've known Jane for 30 years, and yeah. I didn't know that. See, this is, this is surprising to me. Let's talk about Jane for a second. Okay. I think she's lying. <laughs> because she, because every time I mention that, yeah. people go, oh, I didn't know that. If I was the Red Rose Tea Lady, dude, I'd have that tatted on my arm. I'm going to ask her now, and I don't know Jane to lie ever, I have to say. So yeah. I'm going to ask her. She's a sweet. Yeah, I don't mean right now. I'm not going right. to call her right call now. Right now. Yeah. Jane, I must know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're, what were we talking about? Oh, Blair. About me. I yeah. believe we were talking about That's me. That's right. Yeah, let's just bring that back. Yeah. Anyway, all these people are just say good stuff about you. Um, but why? Why Why are you... Where did you get this niceness from? Was it the kind of family you grew up in? Did you grow up a Mormon? I mean, what... It's <laughs> funny you should, you should ask about my family right away, because no. I mean, my parents were nice enough people. My sister was nice enough, but all of them are tougher than me. And all of them... Uh, well, my mom and dad are gone, so they're, they're not anymore. Yeah. But um, my sister is tougher than me. And, and niceness is not a, uh, at a premium with, the way it is with me. And it is with me, I think, as a protective thing. Honestly, I think it's a weakness, frankly. But the thing is, it's part of who I am. Well, so, why is it protective then? Well, because it keeps. If you're nice to people, then hope. I mean, I believe I I believe in the golden rule. So I want to be treated nicely. So I will treat other people nicely. And from there, I, I, that's I'm talking about the root of it. From there, I think it got. Uh, it became sort of a, a, um, a, a, a choice that I would make. If I was dealing with somebody who wasn't being nice, mm -hmm. I would make a choice. I, I call it shooting them with the love gun. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I do it on purpose because I feel like 
I mean, I'll, I'll get mad if somebody makes me mad, but but I really feel like, you know what, what choice do they have but to back down a little bit if I'm going to be nice to them? Yeah. Uh, the Bible calls that heaping coals upon one's head. Yeah, baby. Very good. See, I've, re- See, I've, I knew ret- there was... I've returned to God, Tim. Yes. yes. And I'm now quoting scripture. quoting scripture. That's beautiful. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, I, well, I, I just found that interesting because normally I can find someone to talk smack about you. Or right, our guests. Right, I, I, you know, see the, the okay. like other than your I mean, ex-wife. We're re- we're really ah! we're really getting into the uh, the weeds here with me because uh, like right away we've jumped into my foibles and my failings because right away I'm talking about you know niceness as weakness and now I'm about to say that the reason you can't find like m- in my brain immediately when you say you can't find anybody to talk smack about me I think oh that's because I haven't made an impact on anybody that's where my brain goes. You have this. Pure Canadiana self-defeatism, self-deprecation. I mean, there's a fine line between self-deprecation and yeah. self-defeatism. Yes. Okay. Now, here, I want to tell you something. Now, you're talking about crawling back to the light. Yeah. Okay. I am crawling back to ambition right now in terms of my musical career because I've never been terribly ambitious. I was in uh, in the 80s with the band with my band the Jitters. That was my band in the 80s and and I was very ambitious in that situation and then when I got married I was very ambitious for my wife's musical career. Her name is Arlene Bishop and we are, are on excellent terms. Good. Um oh. but uh, <laughs> that I take back what I yeah. said earlier. <laughs> but I just wanted to clarify. I sent some coals uh, in that statement. But yes. I, yeah. I have no we really are on yeah. excellent terms. But I I uh, find I have found that it's hard to be ambitious on my own behalf, right? Because it means sort of tooting my own horn and so forth. I've, I've made this incredible revelation just this week, this very week, and that is if you want to play gigs, you have to ask. You have to ask for them. <laughs> and honestly, yep. I've lived my whole life pretty much, except, again, with the Jitters or with Arlene, I, I've been waiting for the, that phone call. I've been waiting for – and it comes. I mean, I've been very lucky. I've yeah. had people call me and say, hey, do you want to try writing a theme for this TV show or whatever? Yeah. And I get that gig and I do it and then somebody else calls it and so forth. But but it's I, five years in between those well, phone calls. So, uh, there was a time when they were coming fast and furious oh, okay. and they're not now. So uh, it's it's actually a blessing in disguise. It's it's allowing me to focus on my songwriting and presenting my songs. And and I, I've been booking gigs for myself the last week because I've decided, oh, I guess I should actually phone somebody and ask them for a gig. And it's working. I hear you and Apparently Rick, people like me. I hear, No, stop <laughs> it. I, I hear you and Rick Astley are tight. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, shall I tell that story? Yes, Is that the, a prompt? Uh, yep. Yeah. I uh, the jitters had a uh, Tim. You'll love this story. The, the jitters. Listening. The jitters are uh, are the Canadian band that you aren't sure that you've ever heard. You don't know who they are. This is what I find. I talk to people. They'll say, they'll say so. What's your background? And I'll say I was in a band called the Jitters. And they're like, nah, Nope. Don't yeah. know. Yeah. And then I say, Well, you might know one of our songs. And they go, well, I don't think so. And then. They, and then you play them what? Yeah, I play I, them. I, uh, how, how, how does it go? Hold on, I gotta f- figure out how to, I'm doing. Th- okay, how does it go? I've been a fool, played it dumb. I should have played it smart. Use my head, but not my heart. So I'll do that. Yeah. And people are like, Oh wait, I think I know that song. Or you know, if they're young, my mom used to listen to that song <laughs> or whatever. And. So I define that as a, having a Canadian hit. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like, it's a song you don't quite remember the words to. Yeah. You don't remember who did it. You don't remember the yeah. title of it. You know, well, but it's very Canadian. It's like Tal Backman, right? I say to people, because oh, right. Tal's a regular on the show here, and I'll say, well, Tal's on the show, and they go, oh, no, I don't know. I mean, wait, is that Randy Backman? Yes, it's Randy Backman. But he actually had a, a song. A huge hit. You know? Yeah, she's yeah. so high. Yeah. Well, so 
All that to say, the Jitters had uh, a pretty good career, uh, and uh, we had lots of uh, we had a number of Canadian hits on the radio and so forth. But one of the highlights of our our career was playing Wembley Arena mm-hmm. in England, London, England. We were opening on a UK tour for Heart, the, the band Heart, and we finished up with three nights at Wembley. And um, did you actually get to say? Thank you, Webley. Yes, you did not. Yes, I Come did. Come on. Not wow. only that, but but uh, you know, it was the end of the tour, and I was able to say um, it was our first trip to the UK. And I said, uh, you know, it's been so great here. There's so many things we're going to remember yeah. about, like we're going to remember blood pudding, for instance. That's a <laughs> highlight of the, and the whole place went. <laughs> uh, but I said uh, one of the things we're hoping we don't remember is uh, is a certain song that we've been hearing on the radio everywhere we go. And I sang, never going to give you up. <laughs> then I went in, and they started laughing. And there's nothing like making 12,000 people laugh, i got to tell you. I've never experienced and, that. And, well, it was, it was very exciting. And then I went on to the second verse, which I just made up, which was, uh, never going to learn to dance, never going to wear tight pants. <laughs> and uh, they laughed even more. Beautiful. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. In, in, in Rick, England. Rick Astley was in the crowd? No. Oh, okay. no but in England, you. when you say pants, it means underpants. Oh. And, and so they had a completely different image in their heads. So you were was, funnier than you were trying to be. Exactly. Yeah. I was, yeah exactly. That's like Tim's life. Thank you. Um, I, I think that's hilarious. And uh, when we come back from you doing your first song here right now, mm-hmm. right, right about now, I want to talk about a couple of uh, barbershop incidents. Yes. Okay. Love to. And also want to talk about why you should be writing country music. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's okay. What's the first song you're going to do here, man? Well, you mentioned Patrick Valentine. I did. And uh, he's, a, he's a dear friend of mine, and we wrote this song together, so I... I uh... I think it's an appropriate thing to play. Beautiful. Live on the Drew Marshall Show, Mr. Blair Packham. My usual excuses are usually enough. But tonight my biggest critic is made of stronger stuff. If you ask me for my story, then declare it all a bore. Baby, what did you come here for? Subtext kind of baffles me. What is it that you mean? Tell your truth directly, please. Free of mystery. I'm sick and tired of asking. I won't beg, but I'll implore. Baby, what did you come here for? Change for you no more So baby 
did you come here for? My usual excuses are usually enough But tonight my biggest critic is made of stronger stuff If you ask me for my story, then declare it all a bore Well, really, baby, what did you come here for? Beautiful stuff, man! I yeah, love that. Nice. Love that song. All the good stuff is Patrick. Man, that is you are. Uh, all the what'd you say? The good stuff is Patrick. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Anything you liked, that was Patrick. Stop it! <laughs> that's being. That's you being you again. <laughs> Knock See, it off. The, okay, the reality is I don't really think that. I think Patrick and I brought something good to the table, yes. but it was funny. So you know, yeah. I'll say something like that. But people have said to me, "Why do you keep putting yourself down?" And I sort of think, "Was I really okay?" Yeah. Like like the name of this record. Uh, conveniently, I'm bringing up the name of my record. Oddly, uh, unpopular pop. People Beautiful. have said, "Why, why put yourself down?" What it means is, it's pop music by any definition, in the sense that it's got choruses that are catchy. Hopefully, yeah. it's got uh, snappy sort of uh, lyrics to it. Uh, um, uh, you know, they're shortish sort of songs. And yet it's not, uh, I don't know, Shawn Mendes. It's not Katy Perry, right? Yeah. It's not the kind of pop that is is at the top of the charts. It's unpopular pop. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's bad pop. No. <laughs> In fact, that, I would I argue... That, it, that's actually what it means. The I would, definition <laughs> of good music is unpopular pop. Yeah, well, that's... Thank you. That's that's what I'm, what I'm getting See at. what I did there? Thank you. That's very You're good. That's true. Thank you. You are the best. <sighs> Thanks for trying to suck up after <laughs> screwing up things earlier, Tim. Oh, I'm glad you said well, that. Not you, Tim, Blair. How did the not show you. Start? Not you. I don't remember because I've deleted that yeah, from my memory. Boy. Now, 13 oh. years after his last release, do you know Tim and I are in counseling? <laughs> <laughs> I, I applaud have that. Have, have you ever seen the old? Remember the old Codgers from the <laughs> yes, Muppet Show? Yes, that's yes. Tim and I. I applaud that. I applaud the counseling and the old Codgers. 13 years after his last release, really? 13 years after yeah. your last release? Yeah. 2004's could have been King. Blair Packham has returned. To the role of recording artist with a collection of clever, catchy, and at times poignant and always satisfying songs titled Unpopular Pop. Um, nice. Okay, let's go right to the country music thing. Okay. You know why I said that? No, country, I have no idea. Because this is what I read in an article, an interview that someone did with you. Yeah. They said, uh, here's the line. Your dad died, a friend died, your jingle company ran into problems, your wife left you, your mother who had been in failing health and had been looked after by you for over two years died in 2012. All that true? All of that is true. And you, that it was it didn't all happen like in the same week or anything. No, like that. but still, it holy happened. Heart it, attack. That's why I didn't put out a record from since two thousand four. That's why I didn't. I, but that's I, exactly when you need to be uh, well, pouring yourself out creatively. Do you write songs? Yeah. Well, I I write poetry. Okay. Yes. Well. Okay. Well. Well. But I, I I've talked to many songwriters about this. People will say when you have a tragedy in your life, people will say to you, "Well, at least you'll get a song out of it." And I got to tell you how irritating that is when you break up with your wife, like your marriage breaks up, okay. and yeah. people say. Well, at least you'll get a song out of it because I could. I was immobilized. No, I, I. I couldn't write at all. I'm all over. I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. And and I have been guilty of saying the same thing, and then having just gone through some interesting stuff myself, I get it. The paralysis yeah. Yeah. that you experience 
also uh, has its effect on your creative juices. Yeah, yeah. Now, here it is. By the way, I'm and I'm fine now. Like my wife and I broke up ten years ago. My mom died uh, five years five, ago, twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, or you know, almost six years ago. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm not over those things in the sense that I, you know, I, I, you know, I have lots of feelings about those things. Sure. But I'm feeling really good generally these days. And the, those songs about those subjects, they're coming now. They are now, huh? But now, I mean, it's like a long time yeah, later. I know, I <laughs> know, I get it. Um, in the studio here with Blair Packham. That's me. See what I did there? Yeah, that's that's good. Not really. Well, okay, what Drew is referring to is the name of my radio show on a different radio station. It's called In the Studio. No, we we don't play those games here. It's on News Talk 1010. There it's you a go. great radio okay. station. It is a great radio it's station. Fantastic. I love those guys. Yeah. yeah. I grew up, my mom would turn the radio on at 7.45 in the morning. I would first hear the, I think I heard the, di- no, the radio first and then the dishes coming out of the dishwasher. Oh, or yeah. Whatever. yeah. And I'd hear, uh, it would be um, eventually, depending how long I stayed in bed for, Betty Kennedy, Gordon Sinclair. The whole uh, gang. Just all Wally Crowder, right, right every morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, it raced on and down memory lane. I, my, my father uh, worked there. He was, uh, he was with the company that owned uh, uh, CFRB and CKFM. And I had a similar experience. Would hear the, them all the time. We, that's the radio station we listen to all the time. And one day I was talking to my friend Ted on the phone. We're still friends, by the way. And I was a teenager, and I heard the voice of Ray Sonnen booming through the wall. He was in the living room. My, my parents no. were, having a, were having a cocktail party, and there was Ray Sonnen. He didn't say, calling all Britons. <laughs> but he, you know, he was saying, thank you for the drink, or whatever he was saying. <laughs> that was his theme song. That was his th- How do I know I that? I completely forgot that until now. That's amazing. I I'm in a life. Song. Nobody cares about you, Tim. I don't. KFM <laughs> in Toronto. Oh, right. That's not even in a song. Toronto. It's a jingle. Yeah. Yeah. Blair, you you guy, you and uh, what's his name? Your buddy there. Uh, <laughs> the guy who does the show with you, whose name I can't remember. Bob right. Reed. Thank you. Bob Reed. Yeah. You guys got a good thing. You really do. It's a, it's a good chemistry, unlike Tim and I, and it's... Um, uh, you like each other, unlike Tim and I, and right, it's, it said. seems like yeah. a nice, cohesive, unlike Tim and I. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful well, thing. The difference is that uh, Bob gives me a, a seat to sit in, whereas you make Tim stand. <laughs> he doesn't stand. The whole <laughs> that is oh, the main geez. difference. Is I'm allowed to sit. Uh, Tim has to wander the the, sta- the studio. You know. Um, before we get into the barbershop stuff, maybe we could do another tune. Sure, I'd love to. Is that all right? Yeah, of course. What are you, you going to do? Send well, it. I would like to do the title track from the last record that you mentioned earlier, Could Have Been King. Okay. We were talking a little bit about, more than I like, actually, about my insecurities. and uh, <laughs> That's what we do here. But, but that's, that's... I was, was going to get you to cry like Brian Linehan, maybe some kind of weird interview. I might. Yeah, I might actually yet do that. <laughs> But Drew, how did you dig up all this stuff? You know. um, but so far, you haven't impressed me with no, your research. No, no. So, I saved that you've, for. You've read you know. the bio. Yes, that's, that's it. Aloud. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> I mean, sorry, but that you know doesn't really count. It's doesn't not quite count. Brian Lanahan no, level. No. Um, no, this song is. I, I like that last record. I would have. I would would have called at the time my midlife crisis record, which really does. It doesn't sound very rock and roll at all. No. But but the song is about how how I felt looking back over the jitters, which is a lot fresher back then, thirteen years ago. Um, how I could have done things differently, and 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 I like 
So the song is called Could Have Been King. And it's kind of a sour grapes kind of story. It's like, I, yeah, I could have been famous. You know, I could have had huge success as a rock star. And, you know, playing Wembley Arena, I did sort of come close. But um, that's what that song is about. Now I feel differently about, uh, in a different way. So I got to write a different song to sort of refute that. But that's what Could Have Been King is about. And that's beautiful. This. Beautiful. Again, live on yeah. the Drew Marshall Show, Mr. Blair Packham. Could have been king, but I didn't dig the clothes. The jeweled hat, the ermine robes. I could have been king, but I didn't like the hours. The wretched excess, the abuse of power. I could have been top of the heap, head of the class, first in line, but I didn't feel like kissing so much as I was saying I could have been king I could have been king but I would have had to laugh wash out my mouth from talking so much crap I could have been king but I would have died too young And had the people mourn Their royal son I'd have probably driven the limo Into the pool Drugged myself Then drowned in my own drool But I think it was sad I could have been king At least that's how it looks from here I could have been It's possible you're right I could have been king I know I had the goods The regal bearing And the witty words I could have been king the ball was in my court, but I wasted chances like it was royal sport. I could have been top of the heap, head of the class, first in line, but I didn't feel like kissing so much as I was saying. I could have been king, at least that's how it looks from here. I could have been. Regret. Um, 
I have these regrets about my musical career, and one of the things I regret is uh, that I didn't write an ending for this song. So once I started, I sort of have to keep going unless I tell this story. I'm going to tell this story quickly. I opened up a bunch of shows for Burton Cummings. Burton Cummings, of course, the great singer from the Guess Who, and he was playing solo, and so was I. I noticed night after night that Burton would sing to end every song. Burton would sing the title of the song in a bluesy manner. He'd repeat it over and over again. And it would sound something like this. No sugar tonight, no sugar tonight, no sugar tonight. Like that. Or these eyes, these eyes, these eyes, these eyes. Or uh, American woman, American woman, American woman. That. And you can imagine, he did like 20 songs a night, and, and I opened tw- uh, like seven shows. That's like 140 times that I heard him do that. And I, I vowed to myself that I would never, ever end a song like that. But here we are. So I just want to say one thing. I could have been, I could have been king. Pack him on the Drew Marshall show, buddy. That's some kind of funny. That is good stuff. Thank you. Thank good you, stuff. You. My biggest Burton Cummings moment was I was at the 100th uh, anniversary of the Great Cup. <laughs> and, uh, Tim knows this story. Yeah. And I was there with a guy I used to play with, Hank Elisic, and, and uh, these two you know, kickers were sitting there watching the, you know, because kickers are weird. So, so we're sitting there like the weirdos we are. Yeah. And it's time for O Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, here to sing O Canada, Mr. Burton Cummings. And then this is what we heard. He came out with a Casio keyboard and sang O Canada. Wow. <laughs> wow, is that ever amazing? Yeah, I could talk about Burton Cummings all day because I've seen him a bunch of times, not yeah. just when I open for him, but other times. Actually, other times when the jitters open for him, right. but also when my ex-wife and I, we played music together and we opened for him yeah. as well. So I've seen him a bunch of times, plus recreationally seen him as well. And uh, uh, I, one time he had this, uh, he had a drum machine on stage and um, he hadn't programmed any of the, and I love him, by the way, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. This is critical, but it's also humorous. So, yeah. um, Burton Cummings, not that yeah. there's anything wrong with that. No, no, I think he's, yeah, but, but. He had this drum machine, and he hadn't programmed any of the beats. So he would do this. If he did, like, American Woman, which would be like this, uh, like, uh, you know, American Woman, that's the tempo, right? You know, it's like, boom, like that. And he would, and it would be going, boom, ba, boom, boom, ba, like that. And he'd finish that, he'd lean over, like, he'd go, American Woman, American Woman, boom, ba, boom, boom. And he'd lean over and press stop, right? So then he would do this. The next song might be These Eyes. And it goes, da 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 boom, doom, doom. And it's way slower, yeah, right? Yeah. Boom. Boom, like that. So he'd started at the tempo, the previous tempo, boom, ba, and he'd bring it back. And then he'd go, boom, ba, boom, boom, ba, manually, and then he'd start, da 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 da. That's just called saving money. That's all that is. But here's the thing he then said this weird thing. He said, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I know what you're thinking. I'm thinking, I don't know if you do. You're looking up here and you're seeing all this technology. And, and you're thinking, that must be expensive. Well, let me tell you. And he may have been joking. I don't know. I don't know him really. But he said, you, you're thinking, that's expensive stuff. Well, I'll, let me tell you, that's because unlike many of my peers from the 60s and the 70s, I kept my publishing right. income. And right. therefore, what you see before you is a very wealthy man. 
And I just thought, wow, no, he so didn't say that. He did, and I just thought, what a weird thing to say to an audience. Like, but they loved it. They loved it, and they actually got a standing ovation for because saying of that. that. Yeah, and I was thinking at the time, like this is in this is 1990, oh, and and the tickets were like 30 bucks, which is expensive in 1990. I'm thinking you're giving him a standing ovation because you just gave him more money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, but oh man, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, please, Let's, please don't take that as being critical. It was no. critical of that moment, but I love the guy, I, and I think he's a great singer too. Well, Randy certainly has some stories. Yes, I bet he does. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the reasons I connected with Tal the Sun, Tal the Sun, Tal the Sun. Um, it's like a state, a, a place in Texas, isn't that? No, it's Galverson. <laughs> um, Galverson. Uh, it was because he uh, Tal starred in Bill Maher's Religious as an ex Mormon. Right. And Tal has told me the story numerous times. Basically, he did the research on Mormonism and went, oh, you know what, this is garbage. And then he told his dad, Randy, and Randy went, well, gee, I guess we've been, I guess we bought into a load of garbage for a whole, you know, we had the wool pulled over eyes, so he backed that as well. And, and what I, from what I understood, you know, Randy wanted to really live the clean, straight, straight up Mormon life. Yes. And uh, Burton, yeah, not so much. Yes. And so I think that was maybe one of the, one of the factors that, that divided the... Yeah, pure speculation on my part, but it makes sense to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Tal a little bit, by the way. I toured with him once. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, back in the early two thousands uh, on a songwriting tour. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was uh, he was actually leaving the church on that tour. Really? Yes. He and he kept to himself mostly, and he and he told me that he was having a big conflict with his faith. Wow. And uh, and yeah. then and then shortly after that, announced that he had. He yeah, the and so, and uh, he's got six kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, that, that would have played a role in the demise of his marriage. And I mean, you know, when you decide to leave something like Mormonism, you're leaving a oh, it's lot. A, it's a big deal. Well, he told me that they were actually facing uh, difficulties from their, their community because of yeah. because he, they were moving towards that. And it, was, it seemed like a very tr- uh, difficult time. Blair, uh, how do our listeners uh, support you? Do, or do you sell stuff on your web? Your keychains, frisbees, no, I just, mugs? I just sell music, um, I, I, but I do sell it. And, and the best way to support uh, any independent artist is to buy the, the music from them directly. Right. Uh, that's the best way. Right. Now, uh, honestly... Buying the music at all in any form Will help. really helps. Yeah, yeah. But the best way—I mean, I, I, I love selling CDs at gigs, but a lot of people say they don't have CD players anymore, and I get that. So, what do you sell? Thumb drives? No, I sell CDs, and I say deal with it. You know, I mean, if they <laughs> deal with well, just because if <laughs> if they can't find somebody with a CD player, they sh- probably shouldn't be buying a CD. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. don't want to chase that away. And, but the stuff's available but, on Bandcamp, and it's available on Spotify, and it's available on iTunes. Yeah. You know, so it's it's gettable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kids, the name of this. Where to go? Oh, there it is. Name of the CD is called Unpopular Pop. By the way, you uh, this is going to sound maybe creepier than anything else I've said in this interview. You're so much better looking now. Did I, I, say, did I say that no, right? You nailed it. Did I nail it? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it well, and, 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 and did I hear all, Doug and the Slugs of kind of have you've heard that before about yeah, your yeah. vocals? Oh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. not a new thing. Yeah. But there's it's another not on purpose. By the, the way, no, no, but, no. Yeah. But there's another guy that I that uh, Tim and I know. You may probably don't know his name's Randy Stonehill. Did you hear any of that kind of inflection is in his voice? I don't, I don't know the Randy vocals, Stonehill, but uh, yeah, anyway. the dark humor in the voice. Okay, and Good. just the, even the writing style. Well, very. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I got to tell you this: the the fact that you complimented me on my looks, I don't find creepy at all, frankly, because I agree with you. I actually look at old videos and pictures of me, and I'm like, oh, who's that guy? Yeah. But I, but I, I'm, I, I, I don't know. You see, what I'm trying to figure out is whether I've actually changed. And of course I have, because I've gotten way older. But, but 
I think also I've come to an accommodation with how I look. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a good thing, and that gives you confidence. You know, and I wasn't I wasn't that guy before. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to say, based on what you said, is thank in, you. In, you just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. And yes. the, the third thing I wanted to say was uh, <laughs> that that musicians and songwriters, like now, if now that a lot of people aren't buying music, yeah. Um, we sort of trade in compliments and praise, frankly. Yeah. Like, I'll take it. If you if you like my music, I'd love to hear it. I really, I'd love to hear the fact that you liked it. Yeah. I, I don't mind hearing it, that you don't like it as well, although I kind of think you could keep that to yourself. <laughs> but, but, like, honestly, you work so hard on this stuff. I worked really hard on this, and every independent musician I know, they work so hard on their music. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean anybody owes them anything, but it does mean that if you like it, it would be great if you told them. So, thank you for that compliment. Well, I, you know, it's yeah. a good reminder to me that I should say once in a while something nice about Tim. Just once in a while. Tim, I think, deserves it. He's, look at him working so hard. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. Sorry, wrong guy. <laughs> What's happening? I see flashes and... Did we just see a flash of it's, something? The paparazzi is Thunderstorm. here. Thunderstorm. Oh. oh. Thunderstorm. Um, let's talk about Ron Sexsmith and Stephen Page. All right. They're, uh, the pals? Are they pals? Do you yeah. guys Do you guys go yeah. bowling and stuff? <laughs> Uh, here's here's the funny thing. Um, I make this joke about about we we guys from the '80s. Not talking about them, but I'm talking about like the guys from Cats Can Fly or Platinum Blonde or or, or other, other bands. Yeah, we all hang out together. We have meetings yes. actually yes, yeah. One, once a year. We get together. Yep. We compare hair hair loss mm-hmm. and uh, and haircuts, and we plot out our return to the stage. I'm yeah. joking completely. Yeah, there's but, a there's a sacrifice of a yeah. hair band member. That's right. We usually it's somebody from Poison. <laughs> We've actually gotten down to <laughs> two members at this point, um, but. Uh, we've already gone through the band Rat. We're doing yes. the, the metal bands. First, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, no, um, of course, I'm completely joking. We don't have any meetings at all. But here's the funny thing. The, the Canadian music business is quite small, so you kind of know everybody. Yeah. And, and I've known Ron since well before he, like, just after he moved to Toronto. Yeah. And that would be around 1990. Yeah. And we became friends because we both loved the kinks. Right. So we don't hang out. He lives uh, He lives in Stratford, Ontario. So we don't hang out. We see each other on the net and so forth. And when I've asked him to do stuff, he sang on my first record as well. When I've asked him to sing on my records, he he's always said yes. Yeah. Stephen and I have... Uh, you got to pay him to sing, though, don't no, you? No, 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 no. Stephen, uh, Stephen has done my songwriting workshop a couple of times. Okay. And uh, I've known him since about 1990 as well. Yeah. Um, How much money did they make from... Big Bang Theory. Yes, holy heart attack. I don't know, but I could say I I can say with just knowing what I know about TV music money. Then that's part of your thing. Yeah, that's part of what yeah. you do. I would say it's retirement money. I mean, my version of retirement, which you know maybe it's not theirs. You know, yeah. My version of retirement is just that the mortgage is paid yeah. and and I don't have any car payments. Yeah. And then I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that's I and I I uh, I just I hate admitting this but i i try as much as i can to read all of those what are those uh, things called that the books no at the end of the show when chuck lord puts his oh yeah. vanity cards yeah uh, th- those are some of the best things some i've of the ever best seen yeah yeah and the fact that he takes the time to do that i think is so good is there anywhere yeah. online where you can watch you can read them all and they're just kind of all right probably like, has anybody got them anywhere tim you know that right because you're nerdy you got it Right? Not as nerdy as you'd like, but I could look it up. Okay. I love that this interview now is talking about the, the vanity cards on the Big Bang How theory. did we get... This is yeah. like chasing rabbits. We, you know what ADD stands for, right? Attention deficit. Boy, your hair looks good. Okay, can you do uh, Can you do another song? Would yes, I'd love right? to. Sure. Um, I would actually buy your music. See, I have... No, I have artists here every week, and I enjoy uh, what they do. I, I don't pick... I don't think I pick 
losers. Um, I've seen me. that list. It's not a. It's, it's a good list. A good list. Right? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But I would actually. I mean, lyrically is the thing that gets me to stay. Musically, I'm there for the moment. Yeah. Lyrically, I'll come that back. That tends to be me too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know what Rate. that was. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Here. Here. New. What are we doing, Blair? Well, okay. This. This is. This is a song that I wrote about. I, I've always I'm struggle with the intro for this all the time because it's a little different from the other stuff that I do. But it's on it's on that album, and it's a bit of a it's it's a bit of an, uh, an anomaly on the record. It's it's a sore thumb, I guess. Uh, except it's, anyway, this song is about spirituality. Oh, this is this is the one that we posted the video of the week. Is this oh, the I, one with the faith in them? Yeah, it's dude. It's, this yeah. is girls. Got to listen to this song. Even you millennials will like it. Even the millennials, yeah, if, if they have the attention span. No, Sorry. squirrel. Yeah. Sorry, that was just me <laughs> joining in with him. I don't actually Peer believe pressure. that. Peer pressure. Yeah. Yes. So, um, uh, I, I, but I struggle with an intro for the song, even on stage. And, and, and so one of the things I say is it's about um, trying to find the sacred in everyday life. Yeah. And But it, but it was sparked from a visit from uh, Jehovah's Witnesses to my front door. And I was trying to write a song. And they came to the door. And, and they're very, very nice people. The, the people who work my neighborhood. I've met them before. Yeah. But I just... This day it irritated me because I was busy, and mm-hmm. and so and they were telling me that you know about about God's word and so forth, and they seemed very dogmatic about how I'm not pointing at Jehovah's Witnesses specifically, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> I'm just saying that it was the dogmaticness, the dogmatism, <laughs> uh, the dogma of of what they were saying that kind of bugged me and sparked this song, and 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 I started writing. I had this epiphany in the literal sense of the word. As I'm writing the song, I realized I'm not an atheist. I believe in something. I believe in a hmm. higher power, and 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 that was a huge revelation for me. So uh, the song reflects that conversion. I think. Wow. I don't know. Anyway, I, I was worried that I'm offending people with this, but this is how I feel. You really? Yeah, yeah. And which, but, but you know, statistically, that the vast majority of the planet believes in something. Something. Yes, but. By starting out, uh, well, let, let's put it this way. I posted it on Facebook when I when I first did it, and, yeah. and uh, I posted it publicly. So I got some public comments, and most of them were positive. You know, this is a really nice song, or thank you made me think, or I'm an atheist myself, but this opened my eyes, or whatever. Yeah. Um, there was a fellow in Ireland who said, uh, uh, he said, F off, you, you Bible hater. That was his whole comment. Really? Yeah. Hold on. So the guy that told you to F off is a guy who loves the Bible? Apparently. Yeah. Uh, that math makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's why was my response to him because I couldn't help but respond. I said, uh, I, ironic that you're, uh, that you're spewing hatred. And, you know, the, yeah. anyway. But, yeah. but um, Beautiful. Anyway, I so I, I just, but the thing is, I don't mean to offend anybody, but no. it's really about my personal journey. That's all. That's all it is. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, again, live on the Drew Marshall Show, our very good friend, Blair Packham. creature he wants spiritual insurance he'll turn to the preacher for his immortal reassurance he'll proclaim undying faith while filled with doubt and pain when all the proof he'll ever need is all around him in the name of his God's heaven destroy his earthly kingdom the world that he was given the gift that his God gave him his self-righteous self-destruction born of doubt and cynicism when all the proof he'll ever need 
all around him. The light reflected off a million motes of dust. The wondrous communion shared in music. The beauty of a clear blue sky makes me have to wonder why the sacredness of our existence still needs proving. You want proof of God's existence? Adopt an orphan or have a baby or fall in love without resistance with no conditions in your heart. And when disaster strikes and mistakes are made, watch strangers band together and all the proof you'll ever need is all around you. The light reflected off a million motes of dust. The wondrous communion shared in music. The beauty of a clear blue sky makes me have to wonder why the sacredness of our existence still needs proving. One love, one heart turns to another in the dark, and in a second, in a moment. In a flash, in a spark, all the proof you'll ever need is all around you. All the proof you'll ever need is all around you. Beautiful. Man, dude, I love that nice. song. That is... That's an emotional song for me. I'm I'm in this weird space in my life right now, and uh, when I first heard that, uh, that was a moment sponsored by Kleenex. Let me tell you, oh, it was you. just powerful stuff. And um, anyway, that could be like the theme song for our show. That's ridiculous. Sure, it. Yeah. Thank you. So good, wow. man. So good. Blair, what a pleasure to have you in the studio. It really Likewise, is. What a great pleasure to be here. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, thank I you hope so our paths cross again soon. Maybe we'll go have a cup of red rose tea in the future. It's a pity. <laughs> that's what I'll say after. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I had to meet Drew for tea. Pity. Uh, pity. <laughs> <laughs> Blair Packham, Unpopular Pop. That's the name of the CD. And, of course, his website is BlairPackham.com. That's uh, P-A-C-K-H-A-M. BlairPackham.com.